Hello, fan fans. This is producer Andrew here. We are going to be getting to our regular episode in just a minute. But before we do, I want to let you know about a special event we're going to be doing here at the From Superheroes Network that the Phantom Show is going to be taking part of. On November 5th, we are going to be doing a 24-hour live stream to Twitch that is a big charity event called Extra Life Game Day. All of the proceeds are going to be going to Sick Kids Hospital. One of the things we're going to be doing during that 24-hour event is we're going to be doing live stream recordings of the podcast. So the Phantom Show will be recording an episode. It'll be streamed live to Twitch. You'll be able to ask questions at the end, interact. We're going to be doing things a little bit different. And we're going to have lots of other events lined up. Gaming, watch-alongs, lots of other stuff. And it all goes to charity. It's going in support of the Children's Miracle Network. We have selected Sick Kids Hospital uh, as our, our charity of choice. You can find more information and details at Extra Life dot from superheroes.com that is e-x-t-r-a-l-i-f-e dot from superheroes.com there you will be able to follow our twitch page so that you get notified when we go live you'll be able to see all the prizes and incentives we'll be updating that page with our schedule as it gets closer to the november 5th streaming date so head to that page and also donate now if you can if you have it in the budget because if you do any cool prizes or incentives we add later you'll be retroactively added and applied to that as well so you don't need to wait until you see a particularly cool prize draw or incentive donate what you can today you will be added into any prize draws or incentives up until the date of the live stream on november 5th where we will be doing a live stream recording of the fandom show extra life from superheroes Com. Now, let's get into the regular episode. Hello, 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 and welcome to The Fandom Show, the podcast where we learn about fantastic fandoms by talking to our favorites about their favorites. I'm Stephanie Mallett. And I'm Kaya Green. And today we're talking about the only game franchise that features multiple in-depth discussion about the history and uses of the cardboard box. That is Metal Gear Solid. Yay. Yay. Kaya, what do you know about Metal Gear Solid? I just recently learned that it has a lot to do with cardboard boxes. <laughs> uh, no, I actually know very little. This is one that slipped through sort of the net of uh, various fandoms. Like, there are some fandoms that I don't know a lot about. I haven't played the game, but I've heard a lot about it. And for some reason, this is one that I just didn't know very much about. And so today I read a lot about it online, and it sounds like a blast, and now I really want to play it. What about you? Uh, similarly, it slipped through my fingers, but again, reading about it, uh, I really enjoyed learning about the humor in the games yeah. and how, how funny they actually are and how silly they can be. Um, yeah, it seems like a fun game. I guess we're going to play this uh, after this seems episode. Seems like it, yeah. We're going to get into the game. Absolutely. I mean, I used to play Splinter Cell when I was younger, and like I love stealth games, and I didn't realize this was one. So now that I know that, I'm like, oh, I really want to play it. Oh, yeah. I can't play stealth games because I, I as a human <laughs> and as a player, and just in general, I am just bumbling through the world constantly. You're more of a tank. I'm more of a tank. More I just, of a running and hits. Just really things. announcing myself. Hello, I'm here. Let's go. Um, so I'm going to let you play it while I watch. Um, but do you know who knows a lot about this game? And probably more than any other uh, fandom person that we've ever had on this show. Certainly. Uh, that is David Hayter, who is a prolific actor, writer, and director known for writing the screenplays to X-Men, X-Men 2, Watchmen, as well as writing and producing Warrior Nun on Netflix. He's best known as the voice of Solid Snake in the English versions of the Metal Gear Solid franchise. David, Hi! Well, hello. Oh, Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's so fun to be here. Oh, oh my goodness. Our pleasure. Um, no, thank you so much for, for coming after a weekend of being at Fan Expo. Yes, an overwhelming weekend at Fan Expo. No it was kidding. their first, uh, it was Toronto's first uh, time, the Fan Expo here, opening up fully and boy, everybody in the world came and, and it was uh, it was overwhelming. It was really cool. Yeah, a lot of people, but like a, a very good vibe. Very, very Very good vibe. Everybody was so lovely and so excited to be there. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, you could feel the, the nerd love just 
pouring out of that building. It was normally those conventions I find you can, they can be a little stressful. Oh, yeah. They can be a little overwhelming and like kind of a tense way. But this one, it was just, I've never seen so many happy people. Yeah. Just excited to buy their stuff and see their celebs and live their dreams. Agreed. It was really, it was a really cool experience, but a little, little exhausting. So yes. I'm, I'm, a little, yes. I'm a little beat up. It's always that for sure. So David, when we asked you to come on the show, we asked you what your fandom would be, what you would like to talk about. And you said, Metal Gear. Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it seemed the most appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you wanna, I can talk Lord of the Rings for an hour if you like. I uh, mean, okay. You know, there's a lot of them I can discuss, but uh, but it sounds like you know, since you haven't played the games and and don't aren't really familiar and and you think that Splinter Cell is comparable, I oh. figure it's, it's important for me to... Yes! I knew it was a stealth game. That's all I knew. In. Oh, my God. I've already made you mad. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not at all. Splinter Cell is amazing and, uh, of course, voiced by Michael Ironside, who makes my voice sound like a squeaky bit of machinery. Oh. Um, and Those are amazing games, but those are, you know, sort of pure stealth games, whereas Metal Gear is a whole world unto itself. I mean, it's just so strange and wild and profound and... It's really about the, you know, the exploration of the mind of Hideo Kojima, the creator of them. So, uh, so yeah, so they're very different. But look, I, I respect Sam Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by no means do I mean to compare them. I do not have the wisdom to do that. But it does seem as though the stories are very in-depth. <laughs> um, so... As as a writer, as somebody who knows about narrative, what would how would you describe this story? How how would you describe it to somebody who doesn't know any anything about it? Well, uh, it's sad to say since that's what I'm here for, but I can't. It's, <laughs> you know, it's not. I mean, first of all, it's Mr. Kojima. It's it's written from a very Japanese perspective, so yeah. not the standard Western linear structure. It's more a series of events, a series of dreams, a series of you know experiences that happen along the way to create this whole vast um, uh, storyline. And uh, and it's so it's so complex that I I mean, there's a lot of it I still don't understand and, and <laughs> just have to have explained to me as I'm reading the characters. So, uh, yeah. So uh, what was the question again? <laughs> How would you describe it to somebody who doesn't know anything about it? I, I can't. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's indescribable. I mean, it's, um, I would say it's sort of a, you know, a fevered dream military expedition that goes wrong in all sorts of ways and you run into... Uh, all sorts of twisted characters who have been who have been shaped by war and by trauma and uh, and and you're finding your way through. You you're you're questioning the loyalty of everyone around you and uh, just uh, trying to stay alive through throughout. So uh, it's yeah, it's more of an experience than a an elevator pitch. Yeah, um, amazing. You know. it sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, and what I was reading earlier today was just about how there was some content that was missing when they brought it from Japan to North America. Like in the first game, apparently the the Metal Gear wasn't part of the story. Is that true? That there were some lost in translation issues between? Well, there are definitely there are definitely things in the Japanese games that don't show up in the uh, American games. I, I don't know about the Metal Gear aspect of it, but uh, like in... There's a Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Raiden has this wooden sword, and in Japan, it speaks with the soul of Snake, like Snake sort of snarks from the sword. Yeah. And in America, we didn't do that. So, mm. uh, so you know, stuff like that. But uh, it's also, you know, Kojima's brain is so outrageous that he he, he only gets maybe 40% of the ideas that he wants to put into a, any given game in a given game Dang. because it makes it too expensive wow. or it's too much pressure on the on the hardware uh, yeah so that that happens every single time wow i can't believe a game with this many uh, this many ideas is only 40% that's yeah. why <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah like you know in the first game it was it was like you were going to collect rats and sort of, you know, create like a rat army for yourself. And that didn't, uh, that got reduced down into, if it's you like shoot too rat. many of the rats, no, you start <laughs> shooting the rats and then the colonel comes on the radio and tells you, you know, what's wrong with you? Rats have a life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So, 
so often we'll ask people on here, like, how did you get into this fandom? I think we kind of know how you got into it, but what was it about it that turned you from, uh, you know, a performer in a role to a fan of the series? Well, um, you know, I got cast in it, and then, but from the moment I walked into the recording studio, they had the artwork up by um, a Japanese artist named Yoji Shinkawa, and it was clear from that that this was going to be a you know a big thing, like that they were taking a big swing. And then um, they played a cutscene for me where you know anybody who's played the games uh, in Metal Gear Solid. Uh, when Snake takes down the Hind D helicopter, and it was just this huge cinematic scene. I'd never seen anything. Nobody had ever seen anything like it in a video game before. And uh, and from then on, I knew that it, you know, that they were going to try to make something really big and really special. And and um, and you know, I got on board with that. I did not at the time think I'd be talking about it. You know, twenty two years later, twenty three years later. Uh, but here we are. So, uh, yeah, I was really one of the first fans. And then, and I had a feeling, you know, you have a feeling sometimes when you're working on a project that this is going to catch on and yeah. that people are going to really dig it. So, uh, fortunately, they did. Oh, here amazing. we are. What oh. was it like to see it blow up like that? What was it like to see it sort of grow and grow and grow until it became sort of unstoppable? Uh, it was super cool. Well, it was a weird time in my life because I, I, I did, I recorded Metal Gear in 98, and then I started working on the X-Men movie as a screenwriter in 99, which was my big break. Like, prior to that, I hadn't written anything, I hadn't, you know. So my life changed radically in 1999, and I knew sort of peripherally that Metal Gear was doing well, and then eventually they came back to me to, to do Metal Gear 2, and... Um, and to re we had to re-record the first game uh, for the Nintendo GameCube and make the Twin Snakes. So, um, you know, I knew it was happening, but I wasn't, I didn't have any access to the public. I was, I was uh, <laughs> you know, fighting for my life on the X-Men, so <laughs> trying is, not to get fired. You know? I will say, as a separate fan of X-Men, great movies. Oh, thank you. You did a wonderful yeah. job. Thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah, I, I put a lot of love into, into those movies. And again, those were, those were stories that I had fallen in love with when I was a kid. When I was yeah. 12, I used to read the Chris Claremont uh, run on X-Men. And, and uh, you know, I used to play, I used to pretend I was Cyclops and... Uh, we play X-Men and everything. <laughs> yeah. So I knew, so, yeah, so I really knew I was really a part of that fandom. And that's really why I ended up, you know, working on the script. I was the only one, well, one of the few there on set who knew what the X-Men were. Wow. So, that's wild. That's so cool. Yeah, because the director had never read the comic books. and Really? You know, yeah. And oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, he did watch all of the uh, the 95 um, animated show, which is great, or the mid '90s, which is great, but but it's lighter. It's more, yes. you know, it's more YA than the comic books were. Yeah, it doesn't and quite so, get into the politics of things. Yeah, and just sort of the twisted psychology of it, and and um, you know, and the love triangles and all of that. So uh, so yeah, so I was there to, to kind of help provide that oh, reality neat. for the fans. You know, that's so very cool. Yeah. You're you're just in depth in this world. You're writing X Men or X Men Two, and then. Meanwhile, on the side, there's this game that's just like growing in popularity, and you're yeah. just like, "Oh, sure, yeah, okay." But I'm work working over here. When did you like really click in? They're like, "Oh shit! Like this is huge." What? Um. Well, you know, we did we did the first game, and I knew and I knew that it was huge. Well, I knew that it was huge because I saw it on the cover of all the gaming magazines. Yeah. So then I was like, "Okay, this is a big thing," and they're like, "You know, it's breaking sales records and stuff." So I knew I knew from a you know, a business industry perspective that it was uh, that it was doing really well. Um, you know, and then when they asked me to do uh, Metal Gear Two, I was like, okay, but I'm going to need quite a bit more money. And, and <laughs> yeah, uh, and they were and they were you know and they were fine with that. And and um, it wasn't until I started meeting the fans, and I don't know when that would have been. I didn't start doing uh, Comic Cons until like know, 2015 or something like that, um, but. You know, I'd go into game stores or something, pay for something with a credit card, and they'd see my name, and they'd start to freak out. And so, so it started to build like that. You know, it's not like being—it's uh, not like being Joseph Quinn on, uh, you know, right. Stranger Things, where it's like your face is everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just—it's this voice, except it's not my voice. It's—it's it's this voice, 
And so I, I don't walk around talking like this because they'd arrest me. <laughs> I'd be like, this guy like, this has guy's lost it. What is going on? It would be little, wildly suspicious. That's true. <laughs> seems a little soft in the head. <laughs> it, is, it is a real, I'm about to rob something or hurt it, someone. It, 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 is, it is. It's like this guy takes things way too seriously. <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah, but, but once people start recognizing my name off my credit card or, or my passport, it's always guys... Uh, the security guys at the airport. You know, they'll be <laughs> young guys and they'll look and they'll look at my name and they'll look at me and they'll look at my name and they'll look at me again and I go, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. your face also appeared in, uh, was it Metal Gear Solid 4? Metal Gear 4, yeah. yeah. So that would have been, what, 2009. Mm. Um, so yeah, so by then, you know, I started to get recognized here, here and there. Like, yeah. Whereas I was talking to some other voice actors over the weekend, and we were saying that we're uh, we're famous. Yeah. Um, that know. seems like the dream, though. That seems it like the dream. best version of it. It's totally the best version of it. It's like, it's like you live your life. Nobody hassles you, and once a month, once every two months, somebody comes up to you and says, "You're awesome," <laughs> and. I'm like, great, even like, better. Thank you. you know, cool. It's a, it's a nice break in your day. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty ideal. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so, uh, talking about the game itself, can you tell us a bit about the play style? Because we, we've talked about how it's a stealth game, uh, and you could actually get through the whole game without killing anyone. Is that true? True. Yeah, <sighs> true. Well, they give you a trank gun. So, if you need to get past somebody, you can knock them out. You just have to get past them before they wake up again. Um, so yeah, so you win awards for you know the humanitarian pass on on Metal Gear and. Have you played it that way? No, I have not. <laughs> I, I have not. I've I, you know, I've tried, but but much like yourself, uh, Stephanie, I um, I tend to sneak into the the facility and I, I continue with the mission until the alarm goes off and then I kill. <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah, it's like, because, oh, kill? Because eventually they, they keep coming and coming. You kill them off and kill them off, and eventually they're gone. Yeah. And the whole place is empty, and you just, you know, have your run of the place. And yeah. so that's usually what I do. But I don't feel morally uh, good about it. <laughs> <laughs> Kai can attest. Uh, we played, uh, we were playing Gloomhaven together with a group, uh, which is this, like, huge, expansive tabletop game. Uh, and everyone's like, how do we get through this door? Uh, you know, well, we don't know what's on the other side. We're doing. And I'm just like, screw it. Let's Leroy <laughs> Jenkins right in there. I died immediately. Yes, Leroy true. Jenkins. So did yeah. Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's that's why that's a perfect verb for yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah. I Jenkins myself so hard. But at least you knew what knew. was behind that door yeah. after that. Yeah, death. death. It was death. <laughs> it was death. It was so much pure, death. straight up death, yeah. Uh, I was the strongest on our team. I abandoned everyone immediately. Uh, and we played for, there was another, like, several hours after I died, oh, where yeah. I just sat there and was like, I guess we'll do some Sudoku oh, in the corner. <laughs> well, it oh, took a no while <laughs> for us to get through it because we were missing our tank. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Um, okay, so here's a question for you. Playing a character over the course of many games must, like, it must be very interesting to have it sort of evolve. Have you found the character has changed over time? What's your sort of assessment of who Solid Snake has become? Yes. Sorry, I'm refilling my water. Um, and I suppose Big Boss as well. Yeah. Well, it's totally evolved. Well, that's the other thing that sort of separates it from, you know, uh, Siphon Filter or, or other, you know, games that are, are normal games. Every single Metal Gear is unique unto itself. I yeah. mean, every the gameplay elements, the 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 themes, the the world, the characters, like everything changes, and it's all part of this massive narrative about um, not only Solid Snake, but Solid Snake eventually figures out that he's a clone of this legendary soldier. Uh, big boss who started out as Naked Snake. It's all pretty clear. Um, <laughs> pretty, pretty straightforward. Follow but. Naked Snake, Close Snake. Yeah. Um, but uh, so it's like there's this legendary soldier and he becomes big boss and then I think Solid Snake actually kills him in one of the games before my before they gave him a voice. And then somebody like steals big boss's body and tries to create clones and... You know, and they've already cloned him into Solid Snake. Anyway, it just goes on and on. Um, so yeah, so the games I played, uh, so Solid Snake, um, 
was brought back, he was already a legend and he didn't want to come back and they brought him back for Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear 2 was about another character named Raiden and Solid Snake, they didn't say it was Solid Snake, but it clearly was, was his mentor. And then in 3, your young big boss, so Solid Snake's father back in the 60s, uh, infiltrating a, ba- a jungle base uh, uh, held by the Russians. Whoa. And then in Metal Gear 4, Solid Snake comes back in the future, except now he's got accelerated aging. So now he's he's 35, but he looks 70, and what? he's and he's dying, and it's it's his last sort of run. And so yeah, every so every game was different. Every you know, ideally, every iteration of the voice was a little different. Yeah, you know, like Solid Snake. Solid Solid Snake was kind of down here, and uh, Naked Snake was. You know, excited to to be out on the battlefield, and he had a little more fire. And then Old Snake was falling apart and trying to choke the words through his throat. And you know, it was just a different experience each time. Yeah, wow, that must have been such an interesting process to try and figure out what you wanted to do to like get those tiny differentiations between them. Yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a really cool. You know, it was the coolest acting experience I ever had. And then. Uh, you know, and on uh, Metal Gear 4, you know, he's aging throughout the game. So I would, you know, I sort of started up here. And then by the end, you couldn't, you could barely speak. And, but throughout the game, we recorded it out of order. So I was going to ask. I'd have yeah. to ask, okay, what percentage of the game are we in? So I can decide how desiccated I'm going to sound. Wow, that's so know. much to track. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was a lot, but it was but it was cool. And, and you know, and it's really so tragic and sad. And, you know, the, well, most of the games are, are pretty tragic in the end and really emotional. And so it was cool. Yeah, it's some cool intense experience. subject matter. Yeah, yeah totally. Like well, like stuff. Metal Gear 3. I'm sorry, these are all spoilers, but... Um, oh, yeah, spoiler. Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> Don't worry Metal about Gear it. Metal Gear 3 and Snake Eater, you know, you you think that your, um, your mentor, the boss, is this woman who's sort of like a sort of like a mother figure and sort of like someone he loves and but somebody who taught him to be a soldier. And in the end, you find yourselves on different sides of this thing and she forces you to kill her and, and the game forces you to kill her so oh. she's down on the ground and you're holding the gun and the game will not move on until you pull oh, the trigger oh no god that's yeah. brutal yeah oh so god. you so it ain't splinter cell it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's no, like i'm convinced it's an emotional <laughs> roller coaster and and really um really pretty pretty brutal at times no kidding do you have a favorite of all of the voices that you've gone through well, I'm most proud of Old Snake, I yeah. think, you know. Um, but I love, but all the games I, I, I love, they're all their own little children that I think are very special. Yeah, of course. And there's no favorite children. There's that's, no favorite children. Yeah, that's not how that works. Uh, so uh, you've probably heard about this. Uh, uh, big news since 2020 is that Oscar Isaacs will be playing Solid Snake in a new movie adaptation. I heard that. Uh, but last we heard, they're still searching for the story. As someone who is known for adaptations, um, uh, did you may- maybe submit a treatment for this yourself? Or um, is what would you want to see the story be? Uh, I did... Um... I did pitch an outline of what I thought the movie should be, but back in, I don't know, 2006 to, oh, uh, to Sony, so way back in the day. Um, and it didn't come together in uh, because there was a conflict between, really a conflict between Konami Japan and Konami US. They weren't really communicating mm. as to who they wanted to produce the movie. So yeah. that kind of got in the way of the whole thing, and, and it went by the wayside. I did, you know, I met with Jordan Vogt Roberts and we we had drinks in Hollywood for like four hours and talked about Metal Gear and how big of fans we are. So Jordan is the proposed director for um, for the film. He did Kong Skull Island. He's a brilliant, you know, A-list director and uh, and a huge fan of Metal Gear. And, and so we talked about it, but I can't. I can't say yeah. what I would want or what I think he wants out of the story uh, because it's not fair to, for, to him yeah, of course. or to Oscar Isaac. And I've always been fair to Oscar Isaac. Always. You gotta why would, be. Why would you not want to be? Uh, that guy's great. That's true. He's pretty awesome. <laughs> he seems yeah. amazing. 
because you're saying when you worked on X-Men, the director didn't really know anything about X-Men, but now knowing that the proposed director for this uh, next uh, iteration of Medical Solid is a fan, how, like, how does that make you feel? As Oh, it's so great. I mean, you, you couldn't, I just don't think you could make a Metal Gear movie without understanding the franchise. It's If you did, you'd just end up making another it's a mercenary in a strange yeah. land yeah. movie and that's not that's not what this is. It, it's a completely unique tone and feel and so yeah, knowing that he well he came to us, he came to me and some of the some of the other main voice cast to ask if we could do um you know, speak to the fans and just about the movie and mm. sort of get them on on board and uh, and, and you, you know, said no. I was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I, uh, so uh, no, I thought I thought it was great. I, I I I thought the fact that he was reaching out to us meant that he really kind of understood what what it was all about and yeah. what the fans respond to and what they love and and uh, no, he just and once I sat down and talked to him, I was like, okay, this guy's a true believer and yeah. that's that's what you need, you know, you need that on this in particular. Yeah, and as a fan, when you're seeing your your favorite properties come to life in new iterations, like you always have that pit in your stomach. You're just like, oh, I hope they get it. Yeah, yeah. I hope they know what this is Absolutely. because there's there's those times where it's falls short, mm-hmm. but when they hit it, you're just like. Bless. Like it's you, so sweet, and yeah. and yeah, and that's the real trick of the uh, adapting something that's beloved, you know. And that was, you know, what we tried to do on the X Men movies, which was, if it doesn't feel like X Men, we need to make it feel like X Men. Yeah. And it, and you know, in the studio, would be like, well, why isn't it this? And it's like because that's not X Men. Because it's yeah, you know, not, that's not that's not it. That's not it. And and you know, they wanted to make. Wolverine American at one point. I was like, <gasps> yeah. And I was Excuse like, Excuse me. No, Canada would revolt. He's yeah. our boy. I mean, by well, revolt, I say, we'd say, sorry, we, we're a little we, upset. We'd say, hey, buddy, what what, what do you think you're doing? He's what from you, Alberta. What are you doing there? <laughs> He's from Alberta, eh? Guy, guy came straight out of Alberta. Yeah. Everybody knows we that. Would, we would send a <laughs> strongly worded letter. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, fortunately, Canada had me, and I, and I said, I said, look, you know, every fan in the world knows that Wolverine is Canadian, so yeah. you can't do that. And they dropped it. And so, look, I don't like to call myself a Canadian hero. I'll leave that, <laughs> I'll leave that to others. Uh, so Canadian hero David Hayter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. Stop. Stop. Um, what is this? We ask this question every time, and I would just love to hear uh, your answer specifically given the context. But what is the nerdiest thing you've ever done in relation to your Metal Gear Solid fandom? I, I don't do too many nerdy things, I don't think. Well, I did. Uh, so, uh, John Brindlear, who's a, a local uh, television sci-fi host uh, did convince me to dress up as uh, Naked Snake and put on the camo and then do a little bit with him and sort of hold a knife to his throat. So that's on that's on YouTube. And, you know, people are always asking me to dress up like Snake, and I was like, I would, it, it, but I'm a grown man, so <laughs> I can't. Uh, and, and I'm a professional screenwriter. I'm also trying to convince people to give me, you know, yeah. millions of dollars to make a movie, and so, you know, you don't want to be going around in too much uh, cosplay. But well, although I wish I could, you know, as a kid, I would have loved that. Um, so I guess that was probably the nerdiest. I mean, it's not a it's not a terribly fun answer, but I, I try not to humiliate myself too much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if if you were to cosplay, and this is just a side question, if you were to cosplay any character uh, from anything ever, what is there a character that you'd be like, yes, I want to do this costume? Well, I you know, I did do... Uh, uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. Ca- Captain Jack Sparrow for, for Halloween, you know, a number of times. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, and I had the, the eyeliner and I'd be out, you know, I went to Disneyland and talked to the Whoa. people and, you know. Uh, so, Did people freak out? Uh, Disney security shirt. <laughs> Excuse I thought me, at sir. Halloween you were allowed to wear costumes there. You are. What you're not allowed to do. Well, what happened was I'd gotten off the, I'd gotten off, uh, the, the, the little mine train, uh, roller coaster and my daughter had lost her little ears that she had and on the train so I was like okay and she was upset about it so I said okay I'll wait for the next train to come and see if they'll take a look yeah so the so the train that we weren't on pulls up and all these people get out and all these kids are like look it's Captain Jack Sparrow and I'm like hello kids you know how are you did anybody bring any rum you know <laughs> like that. and uh and uh and so I did that for a couple of people because I'm a professional 
you know, performer and yeah. voice person. And then these two guys in like plain clothes guys come up and they're like, sir, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm waiting for my daughter's ears. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Do not put me in Disney prison. How dare you Disney on Disney's time? <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. Well, they want to make sure I wasn't like, you know. And creepy with the with the children. Fair, that's, okay. and that's, well, yes, that is a good. That's point. entirely fair. So, yeah. um, but I did, I did like Captain Jack Sparrow. But you have heard of me. <laughs> <laughs> There's one more question I want to ask before we move on, uh, and this one's from our producer Andrew. Um, the making of uh, Metal Gear Solid versus this remake, The Twin Snakes. You had to do the identical dialogue over and over again. Were there differences between performances there? <laughs> According to the internet, there were. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. the internet. I didn't know this, but um, they had to, uh, yeah, the the issue was that the sound card on the PS1 wasn't as good as the sound card on the GameCube. That makes sense. And so you could hear traffic going by on the original tracks because we didn't record, we recorded in some house. It wasn't, yeah. a, it wasn't a sound stage, you know. Uh, and so we had to redo the whole thing. And I just tried to do it exactly the way I had done it the first time. The first game was so iconic. I was like, let's just give them the same experience. But then I, I found out, like, this year, they're like, you know, how do you feel about the controversy that the performances are so much worse than Twin Snakes? And I was like, first time hearing about oh, it. No. You know? Oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, and I've listened, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, they're a little different. I think I fell into... You know, the first one, I was just sort of finding the way. And then by the time I did the, the, the remake, you know, I think I was a little more into it or a little, you know, ch chewing the scenery a little more. So whether it's better or worse, I don't know. I leave that up to the Internet. They, they seem pretty <laughs> opinionated, you know. The yeah. Internet? No. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, <laughs> no. They're not shy about telling you how they feel. <laughs> that is what I have noticed. Do you read them. the comments when it comes to the Internet? Uh, sometimes. Uh, sometimes I do. I mean... Not really. I mean, you know, I read the comments that are directed at me because because people are really nice to me. Oh, yeah. Like, that's good, yeah. That's good news. Well, uh, yeah, it, it is good news. Um, but it really kind of it pisses me off when they're not nice to, you know, black actors or female actors or whatever. And it's yep. like, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I just wish that they would give the same respect to other people as they give to me. But I'm very happy that that for the most part, the the my fans, even the people that are detractors, you know, I've had people I've had people say things negative things about me online, and tag me, and I'm like, what the hell? Why do well, like oh, I, I respect your opinion, but why do why do you have to tell me? And, <laughs> yeah. then, and then they're like, then they're like, oh my god, Mr. Hater, I'm so sorry. And they, you know, for the most part, they're. They're very respectful, which is which is really sweet and 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 lovely. But I, I wish, you know, uh, speaking to the internet as I am now, you know, please spread that love across all of fandoms because that's what we're here for, are we not? Absolutely. You heard you you heard that here first. Solid Snake says, "Be nice on the internet." Yeah. <laughs> and if yeah. you're not, why are you gonna like? Why would they tag you? That's the thing I always find so weird. If someone's like snarking off online and they tag a celebrity, it's like they they might read that, you know. Like, well, it's like they want to say it to you, and it's like, you know, that's fine, but if you wouldn't say it to my face, then don't say it. Yeah, yeah that's you know? the rule of the internet. Because that's that's such a wussy move, yeah. you yep. know? And you are a human being. You're a person. You're not just a tag online or, like, a bunch of pixels. You are a Ex human. Well, exactly. And if you want to say it to my face, say it to my face. See what <gasps> you get. Oh, I hope no one, don't do it though. Don't. Please don't. Don't harass David. Don't do it. He so doesn't this, need that. This seems like a perfect time to move on to our hot take <laughs> section. Hot takes. Hot takes. So we, we snuck through uh, the internet here under a cardboard box to find some hot takes from various message boards from some of our listeners. Uh, so we're just going to read them out to you uh, and feel free to give us your feelings about these hot takes. You may agree, you may disagree. We hope that they're not offensive. This isn't our fandom directly, but it's going to be, it seems like. Yeah, um, we'd love to have you. Uh, so, number one, the games have become too convoluted in terms of continuity and story and should rest in peace as the classics that they are. I can see that. I mean, uh, I mean, I can't argue with convolution. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, that, that, uh, those are some convoluted games. Uh, I mean, I also... The other side of it, I think that because they're so convoluted, you never get to the bottom of it. You never, you know, there's never a point where you go, I know every single bit of this thing. You can't. It's it's just, you know, there's a lot of dark corners. I myself would love to see more 
uh, of it. I just love playing the character. Um, but I totally see that uh, that perspective. People say, you know, how did you feel sort of ending your run with uh, Metal Gear 4? And I feel really good about it. It really capped the story. It, yeah. it was it was an amazing run, and we did these amazing things, and story came to an end. So, um, so yeah, if they, if they left it, I, I think narratively it, it makes sense. But, you know, for the sake of fun, I'd love to see some more of them come along. Yeah. You know. Amazing. All right, how about this one? This one is from Michael Saba on YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, Metal Gear Solid is a misunderstood anti-war masterpiece. Michael Saba, I think you're dead on. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. I mean, a lot of, a lot of Japanese um, war stories uh, are reflective of uh, Hiroshima and, uh, and Nagasaki. And, that makes and sense. And the, the wounds left behind uh, by those events. So... Uh, and this is a lot about nuclear uh, nuclear armament and war and, and the futility therein. Um, Snake is always, you know, going in on missions where he thinks the right thing is this, and then he finds out everybody's lying to him, that, you know, the military brass is lying to him, that he's being manipulated. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I, I'm, you know, I see other people disagreeing with that take and I'm like what are you talking about like this is a yeah I think it's a massive anti-war statement do you do you find that the take that they have is just like yay war is great and I'm enjoying <laughs> I shooting people I guess I mean I I don't I, I, I think the argument is well it's kind of hypocritical because you're being a soldier and you're going into this thing and you're shooting all these people or whatever but on the other hand you can you can get through without killing a single person mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it glorifies war, I think, but I think that at the same time, it's fun in a video game to go into a war zone without, without um, actual risk to your limbs yeah. and life. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I can see, I can see elements of, of all sides, but, but I think, not that I can speak for Hideo Kojima, but I feel like that's what I get from his writing and from his presentation of these games. Yeah. Um, this one comes from uh, Slash Beast on GameFAQs. Mm. Gray Fox is the most overrated character in the entire franchise. I mean, he is Boba Fett tier of fame, a complete pushover compared to Raiden. <laughs> oh, Gray Fox. Um, Gray Fox is beloved because he was the first cyborg ninja. And when you saw him in the first game, you're like, that guy's badass but I can see again I can see the point he, he he gets killed pretty quickly he does have a lot more history with Snake in the games that we did before I was brought in to do the voice yeah. so there is a whole history of that guy Frank Yeager uh, before he became Gray Fox so um, but people love Gray Fox they dress up as him to this day with these crazy accurate like cyborg ninja like the helmets will like you know open oh. at Comic Con like it's super cool like yeah look up uh David Hayter and, and uh, Gray Fox, and you'll see me facing off with some really cool cosplay. Um, and people love him, but yeah, it's, I, I think the guy's dead on. It's kind of a, kind of a Boba, Boba Fett comp. Oh, I love it. Um, okay, this These one. are good hot takes. Thank you. Right? You got a good fandom here, David. Well, yeah. they're smart people. Uh, with excellent taste. This one is from Forcewave1139 on Reddit. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, oh I'm you know. I'm familiar with their work. Ah, uh, Forcewave. <laughs> uh, well, Metal Gear Rising is a phenomenal game. It takes more than it has child soldiers and corrupt politicians to be a deep Metal Gear game. It just completely botches the ending Kojima intended for the saga. I'm sorry, which which one does? Uh, Metal Gear Rising. Rising. Oh, I I apologize. I haven't played it. So Great. I have no idea. Uh, sure. Take that, Force Wave. Yeah, you're <laughs> get out of here. You're probably dead on. I don't know. Um, Punished Venom Snake is probably the most fascinating villain protagonist in any video game I've played. Uh, incorrect. Ah. <laughs> uh, do you know? Do you have any follow up? Just incorrect. You're wrong, internet person. <laughs> well, that's the joke of it, is that oh. <laughs> I was replaced oh. uh, by Kiefer Sutherland, who played Punished Venom Snake. Oh, I didn't realize he, oh. realize he was Punished Venom Snake. Yeah, and so that's not me. And Boo. because it was not me, I didn't bother to play that game. So, I get it. 
Um, so saying he's the most complex, I don't know, maybe he is, but I didn't play him, so uh, he can go scratch as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, uh, now here's a follow-up to that. Um, David Hayter is a better snake slash big boss than Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> correct. <laughs> I, I would say that's correct. Uh, and I love Kiefer. Just for the record, I love Kiefer Sutherland. I've been a huge fan. I got drunk with him at a bar in Dallas. Lovely person, amazing actor. Just... Not Solid Snake. Not Solid Snake. <laughs> we all know it. The internet knows it. Yep. Um, this one comes from uh, Andrew Ivamy, our producer. Uh, the best James Bond theme ever isn't Goldfinger by Shirley Bassey <laughs> like most think. The best James Bond theme is Snake Eater by Cynthia Harrell. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. There's many James Bond themes, but did a single one mentioning di- mention dining on a tree frog? <laughs> no. I, mean, I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a great song. Um, Snake should have fired the stinger missile when Gray Fox was pinned against the wall. When somebody says to take the shot, you take the shot. Agreed. There you go, William. (laughs) There you go. You're right. You're right, buddy. When you're right, you're right, buddy. I had the stinger telling me to take the shot. Maybe I could have saved Gray Fox's life. I don't know. Yeah, but... It'll always haunt me. If you had, then he wouldn't be the Boba Fett he is. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Um... Uh, this one is the survival mechanics prioritize realism over gameplay. They are implemented horribly apart from food. Uh, the survival mechanic. I don't know what they mean by survival mechanics. I don't. Uh, I don't apart from food, I thought those were the survival mechanics. Um, <laughs> That's how you survive. No, no. Well, no. He he also you know he patches himself up. He removes bullets from his own. You know, you go to, into a medical screen. You do all these things. So no, I think that's ridiculous. I think the um, all of those things just enhance the, the games, the reality of the games. Okay, ho- how about this one? This is from William H. Perkins. Um, Solidus was right. Arguably, aside from all the child soldier stuff, he's the hero <laughs> of the series for what he tried to do. Solidus tried to free us all from patriot control and information control. His methods were insane, but he was the hero we needed and true successor to Big Boss. That's a pretty big hand wave on child soldiers yeah. there, I think. <laughs> Aside from that. Aside, Aside from, from enslaving yeah. children yeah. for a war. That little itty thing. Yeah, you, you just know. keep bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, I think that a lot of people say, I've got a new way to, to handle war, and I've got a new way to handle politics, and at the same time, they're employing child soldiers, or they're doing horrible things, or they're profiteering, so... Uh, Solidus may have had some good points, but whether the, whether or not he could have created a decent world order is uh, <laughs> well within question, I think. Yeah. Uh, and we usually wrap this section with uh, the opportunity, what is your hottest take on Metal Gear Solid? My hottest take? Oh, God. Um, my hottest take on Metal Gear Solid would be... Here's my hottest take. Oh, yeah, you can't see this because you can't see, but his face just changed. He was like, hmm, ah. That was exciting to watch. Over. Yes. <laughs> Here's what I think, and this is only what I think. This is my opinion. I know nothing, for real. Um, I think that Hideo Kojima created uh, Solid Snake because he loved... Escape from New York, and because he loved Alien, and he wanted to create a character like that. Then, once it became so huge and made him a massive, massive game developer, he wanted to do other things. And they wouldn't let him do other things. They made him come back again and again and again. Once he thought he was out, they pulled him back in. (laughs) And, um, And so I feel like, and I'm the only person that I know that has ever said this, I feel like he was trying to kill Snake from Metal Gear 2 onward. So Metal Gear 2, Snake isn't the main player character. He's the he's the mentor, and they bring right. in Raiden. And I think Raiden, I think, this is my other hot take, I think Raiden is Hideo Kojima. Oh. And, um, and the first time you saw him, everybody kind of hated Raiden. They were like, he's not Snake, and I wanted to play a Snake, and so on and so forth, which I thought they might do. So in the next one, Solid Snake doesn't exist at all. It's Big Boss. We're in the past, and we do this thing. So he gets to be Snake, but it's not really Snake. And in the fourth one, he accelerates his aging, and it's like he's trying his best to kill this (laughs) character. Just kill him. Kill him dead. (laughs) 
and he just can't do it because the public, that's what the public wants. And uh, so that's my take. I believe that to be true. And oh, oh, and and in Metal Gear 4, the other, the other great thing is that Snake is is aging. You know, he's falling apart. And Raiden is now the badass cyborg ninja. You know, yeah. the first one he was like he was like, oh Snake. You know, he's sort of like Robin in the Batman yeah, Robin right. thing. You know, he was just sort of innocent and pretty and this blonde hair. And then by four, you know, Kojima was like, you will accept <laughs> Raiden. <laughs> you know, take you, him. Take him. You will love this character. Eat it. Eat it. <laughs> eat it. So. That's my hot take, and I think it is unique to myself, and I think it's absolutely true. Amazing. Wow. Amazing. That's, it sounds like he's, he's in battle against Snake himself. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let totally. me go. <laughs> yeah, let me go, and I would just want to kill this character, and, uh, and he can't. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Well, I suppose he's sort of now moved on with his own studio and Death Stranding and stuff, right? But is, does he still have to keep coming back and doing Metal Gear? Don't know. Well, he's he's had a break with Konami, and yeah. Konami owns the property. So, right. um, you know, but it's still huge. It's still beloved. And, you know, Hollywood, they want to keep exploiting a story until, oh, yeah. until yeah. they're dead. Milk that cow. Make those monies. Yeah, yeah, so I'm sure there's pressure on him every day to come back and do it again. And, you know, but I, I know that he's, you know, he's focused on Death Stranding and doing these new things that, that hopefully he loves and finds satisfying. And so we'll see. We'll see if it ever, if it ever comes back. But, uh, but that's my feeling. Amazing. If you're listening to this, <laughs> you're free. Be free. I have, I have a feeling that because I said that, people will be listening to this episode oh, quite a bit. Oh, <laughs> okay. I, I think this might catch on. Ooh, Ooh We might have unearthed some controversy. I probably shouldn't have said it, but... That was my hottest take. Yes. Well, if you want to talk about it, get in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Um, at the end of every episode, we like to share our micro fandoms of the week, which we will do in just one moment. But before we do, let's talk about, uh, if you're interested, how you can uh, keep keep on with this show and help support. Uh, there's tons of free ways. One of them is just listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank um, you. <laughs> Uh, you can reach out, follow us, or uh, just uh, come come tell us your hot thoughts about these things at Fandom Show Pod on Twitter and Instagram and the Facebook. Uh, if you have any ideas for future episodes, you want to catch up on past ones, or just want to say hi, you can visit us at thefandomshow.com. Please tell all of your nerdiest friends about us or all of your non-nerdiest friends. There's something for everybody, really. Um, and if you can get on your podcast provider of choice, principally Apple Podcasts, but they're all great, and do a little rate review and subscribe. Um, even just a one-sentence review or one-word review can help us move up in the charts, and that means we can get more fan fans and like spread more positivity to the fandom world. Um, David, what's one word that they should put in the comments for us? We usually have like a, a thing where we come up with a, a, a word theme that they from put the in episode. their comments. So if they were to put something in the comments uh, from from you, what what would that word be? Any word at all? <laughs> I, I I just coined it. Uh, oh, oh, convolution. 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 Hear that? All right. All right, so we'll take Convolution. I love that. All right, so throw Convolution in, in the review, and uh, we would really, really appreciate that. Um, this show will always be free, but if you do want to support us monetarily, you can always find us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash thefandomshow, where you can throw some of your hard-earned dollars our way. For just a couple bucks a month, you can listen to episodes early, you can get a shout-out, or you can even submit hot takes for up upcoming episodes. So uh, check us out there, and thank you so much for supporting this show. And our theme song is by Yusu Kim, uh, and our... Our awesome logo is by John Blair. Thank you to both of you for your amazing work. Uh, and now we're going to get into our micro fandoms for the week. Uh, so that is whatever we're fanning about right now. Kyle, what are you fanning out about right now? I'm back to fanning out about Arcane. <laughs> um, is it because you saw a million Jinx cosplays? Yes. Fan that is, and every time I saw one, I was like, God, I gotta watch that show again. So we started watching it again last night, yep. and I just started Googling League of Legends because I was like, I need to know more about this. Like, the world of this this story is so, so good, and like, it's so it's so fun for me to see like, I don't know, the writing is just so smart and it's so well built and the characters, there's so many characters, but they seem to make all of them really sing and really become sort of a full version of themselves of the course of very few episodes. Uh, so I'm just, I'm really nerding out about that. And the animation on it is wild. It's phenomenal. I, I was just going to say, I, I, I don't even know why it's so 
it's so mind-blowingly good. It's so yeah. good. You don't even know like how to look at it at yeah. first. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, it's spectacular. It's Blew me away. It's yeah, like animated paintings. Yeah, almost. Like, yeah, it's phenomenal. Apparently, it is. It's a like combination between three D animation and two D animation. Mm. So like the characters themselves are three D, but there's a lot of like paintings in the background. Right. Those but, yeah, it's like animators. older Disney. Yes. Yeah, uh, feeling things. Yeah, it's really got its own feel to it, and the and you're right, the characters, the writing, the the story, it was all very compelling and amazing. Yeah, especially impressive because it's not a particularly narrative game. That was all like backstory. Well, that's the thing. I I actually spoke as a writer. I spoke uh, to it's Riot Games, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I spoke to them uh, about adapting some of their worlds into oh, movies really? and stuff along Neat. the way, and it was always very difficult because there was like wasn't a lot to hang on to yeah. character wise. You had to make up everything. And so when I watched the show, I was like, ooh, what are they going to do? And they just, somebody, somebody dove in and created a world of characters that, and, and that core relationship between the sisters that was just so good. And they, and to their credit, they let them do it. They said, yeah. this will define our world. And, and it, wow, it was such a, it was such a slam, slam dunk. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah, phenomenal. All right, Steph, what are you fanning out about right now? Oh, so uh, last week we just finished uh, A League of Their Own, the new series oh, yeah? on Amazon, uh, and it's delightful. I A League of Their Own uh, is, I would say, my favorite movie of all time, probably, or one of my top three. Oh, yeah. I, I have loved it forever. Gina Davis is incredible. Tom Hanks is incredible. The stories of these women are incredible. But one thing that they didn't touch on a lot in the original movie because it was the early 90s and you couldn't, um, was about uh, the queer relationships in that baseball league uh, and also the story of black baseball players right. at that time who were not allowed into the league and were not allowed to participate. And this really helps fill in the world of baseball at that time, not just in the league, but also in the world, well, in America at that time. And it's just some beautiful stories, some beautiful friendships, relationships. Uh, it's the gayest show. It's super they, gay. They got a no, I don't know if it's super gay. I haven't no, seen it. it no, no, you're right. It's, it's yeah. very gay. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, and it's just, it's such a lovely uh, glimpse into that world with some new lenses uh, that I really, really appreciated getting to see. The character work is incredible. Darcy Carden is incredible. So good. Yeah, um, she's amazing. Ca there's a cameo. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but there's a couple little cameos in there that just uh, make your heart sing uh, if you're a fan of the original ser uh, the original movie. So uh, check that out. It's so fun. It's I will. So much fun. That's, that sounds excellent. And David. What are you fanning out about this week? I am fanning out about the Sandman. Ooh, yes. So I, um, when I was working on X-Men here, they gave me a, a credit card and a uh, credit line at, at uh, the Silver Snail. So <gasps> what? I could get cool. as many comic books as I wanted. Best and, job ever. <laughs> yes. And so in a bit of corporate fraud, I went down and said, what is the greatest comic book series I've never read? And they said, have you read Sandman? And I said, no. And so I did. And I was just so blown away, and I've read it a number of times since then. In fact, I at one point I was talking to Johnny Depp about playing Sandman, uh, and in a movie, and it just you know it never came together. Um, but the fact that Neil Gaiman has pulled this together was able to do it, you know, it's like the books. You know, you get all the stories from the books, but it's changed enough. It's like what they did with It. Like if you really knew It the way that I know the book, mm -hmm. uh, it's like it's the same elements, but they're different. So you, you know, so even people who know the book really well will get surprises. But it's done better than than that uh, than It. I think um, it's really clever in the way that it updates these stories, but still gives you like all of the classic moments from the books. I think it's spectacularly beautiful. Um, Neil uh, Gaiman is asking people to binge the show because while it's very successful, it's massively expensive. Mm -hmm. And so you never know if the numbers are going to line up for right. for Netflix to do it. And I just want to tell people, if you're, if you're nerdy like me, um, <laughs> the first season is amazing. And there's all sorts of amazing things in it. The stories to come are mind-blowingly epic. Wow. And so, and there are things that you are seeing in the first season that are laying up things that won't happen for nine years. And, uh, and so my nerd heart cries for the success of this show. You I need to see it. I really want to see it taken all the way through. I just think each season's going to get better and better. 
uh, and it's so great to see somebody who, you know, a group of people who truly love the source material bringing it to a larger world. That's that, that that's such a glowing review, uh, especially from somebody who adapted like one of the hardest graphic novels to adapt <laughs> ever. Um, like, yeah, you say that. I mean, that you know, people say that to me all the time, and and I appreciate. I, I'm assuming you're talking about Watchmen. I am. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't hard to adapt. Yeah. It's easy to adapt because it's so spectacularly well written. It's so good. Yeah. That all I had to do was make sure it fit within a movie structure. Yeah. What was hard was getting people to give us 150 million dollars <laughs> to make it. <laughs> to look at that story of you know this dark, twisted, you know violent, hyper-intellectual story and then make it into a comic book movie. Yeah. That was hard. Yeah, and I guess long before The Boys and, like, Antihero was kind of a big, big deal and a big thing. Well, it was, I signed my contract for it in 2000, uh, 2001. Oh, wow. So, so I worked any on it, of this. Yeah, I huge. worked on it for nine years. So back then, we had X-Men, basically. And yeah. I think the first Spider-Man was coming out. Uh, so, you know, it was like... You know, the studios didn't have any clue what we were talking about. Yeah. But they knew it was something, you know. They knew yeah. they didn't want to let some other studio do it. So that was the journey of it. But yeah. anyway, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. Oh, no, not no. at all. Very Just kind mean, to say. But but when you have an amazing book, the adaptation is not that, that difficult. It's just talking the heathens into <laughs> appreciating it, you know. And thankfully they did. And eventually. I was reading today that uh, with Netflix shows, if you uh, want to watch a show – 28 days. Those first 28 yes. days are when you got to watch it. So we've been holding oh, on to neat. Sandman because we're like, we want to just give it the right time, but we got to jump on it. We do. And if you're listening do, and yeah. you haven't jumped on it, jump on it. Watch it because they need the numbers now. They need it early. That's absolutely true. We have, um, you know, I produce Warrior Nun. Yeah. Uh, and Great everybody's show. like, oh, are you picked up for season three? And I'm like, no. What happens is it comes out and over 28 days, Ava, the Netflix algorithm, adds up all the numbers. Wow. And at the end of it, she says... You have been picked up, or forget oh. it, buddy. Your show is dead. That's so heartbreaking. That it's just <laughs> yeah. an well, algorithm. It's... Like I get it from a business perspective, yeah. but as a fan and as a person who likes to, you know, take my time with it and hold on to things I know, for me the too. right moments. Yeah. It's like, oh man, I guess I'll 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 put it on play, let it run in the background, and then when I'm ready, I'll come and sit down. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be great. Uh, yeah, I would have preferred to let it just sort of each one sink in, yeah. but. But I knew, so I did, you know, two two in a day and and, uh, and just inhaled it. So I'll go back and watch it again. Oh, so excited to yeah. watch it. I've heard nothing but incredible things about it's it. It's really fun. Yeah. It's really fun. And I know people have been waiting for this adaptation for so long. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, you know, if you know, you know. And and if you don't know, it's, it's kind of like the beginning of it. I, this is the other thing about it is in the beginning of it, you're kind of like – What's happening? Who are these people? Like, who are the endless? I don't understand. And but what what you come to find out is the point of the story is figuring out the world of the story. Mm. You know, discovering who the endless are and how they relate to each other. And it takes a long time. It's years. It took Ooh. him. I think it was twelve years. He wrote the 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 books. Uh, I may be wrong on that. It may have been longer, but. Um, but so, you know, a year will go by, two years will go by before you hear about the prodigal. And then it's a long time before you figure out who the prodigal is and, yeah. what, the, and what the story is. And then you're like, oh, holy shit. You know, it's, uh, it's a really, um, it's a beautifully told story. So, uh, you know, I just hope that people, you know, give it a chance off the, off the top and then, uh, and then we get the rewards over the next decade. Yeah, you know? yeah. It sounds like a very patient adaptation or totally, idea, story. In totally. And, and unlike Game of Thrones, it's finished. It comes. <laughs> yes. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yes, very important. Like, I can't give my soul to another property that's not done. Right. It's finished, and the ending of it is just astounding. So, you know, if you're just going to watch it on TV, uh, know that the writers have you in, in hand. Oh. And, you know, it will it will end in a way that will stun you. So Thank you, Neil. Yeah, thank, thank you, Neil, Neil Gaiman. You're the best. <laughs> Truly. Oh. What, a, what a legend. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Uh, speaking of legends, thank you so much, David, for being here with us today. Um, uh -huh. Where can so people fun. find you? Anything you want to talk about or that people should know about that you're working on? 
Well, I hope they. Uh, uh, I, Warrior Nun season two comes out this winter. That's all I know. Um, yes. I hope that you enjoy it. We we blew the doors off this season. Like I mean, like the first season was a lot of fun, and we got to do some really cool stuff. Second season is just insane. So I'm very very excited for people to finally see that. Um, check it out when it comes. Uh, try to get it done in the first 28 days if you're if you're a fan. Um, you know, beyond that, I, I got other things I'm working on, but they're all kind of secret, and uh, I can't really talk about it. So, um, so I just want to say thank you for having me on your show. These were great takes and super, super <laughs> smart nerd conversation, and I love it. Oh, amazing! Thank uh, you and so much. Uh, if they want to find you online, your oh, yeah, handle. They can find me. Uh, well, I'm on the Twitters. Uh, I'm at David B Hater. Uh, and I'm sort of on Instagram at the underscore David underscore hater, uh, where I sometimes show pictures of my uh, vacation or <laughs> dog or something. Um, and those are the only places you can find me, ideally. Amazing. So check those out so that you can be on top for as soon as Warrior Nun Season 2 comes out. You'll know there and you'll get your 28 days. You'll watch it all <laughs> in the first week. Uh, so that we get more and more of it. More um, and more nuns. More and more warrior nuns. Thank you so much. Uh, and thank you for listening. Until next time, love the things you love and tell everyone about them. Bye. 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 The Phantom Show. The Fandom Show is produced by Andrew Ivamy as part of the From Superheroes Network. For more great podcasts like this, as well as web comics, articles, and so much more, visit FromSuperheroes.com.